Welcome to KDC on the Move. My name is Barry Frazier, your host. We are broadcasting from the Speakies in the basement of United Metro Boys Academy, healing place for men and boys. We also help men who find themselves in a position of society where a traditional job no longer is feasible for them to function in. So we help them develop plans, business plans, and uh, LLCs, and things of that nature to help them redevelop themselves and project them forward in society. You know, and that may come through, you know, we know someone, a fellow man out there that owns a business that may need some help in a particular industry. And maybe we connect that man to that other man that may have a job for that particular time. But ultimately, our goal through this podcast is to teach the the principle of ownership and uh, management and rulership and dominion and everything. Uh, We're going to um, try to reshape some of the mental constraints that keep men trapped in despair and plug them into their natural selves where they're supposed to be a creator an environment they see themselves in. And the only way that we can do that is to teach them what an entrepreneur is and, you know, what self-reflection and, you know, creative talent and, you know, things of that nature. Business is my Rubik's Cube. And I find pleasure in turning the cube and seeing what we can create. And sometimes two minds are better than one, which leads me into today's topic, brotherhood. Yeah, let's talk about brotherhood. Now, in this thing we call brotherhood, you know, there is some things that may be controversial. It's discussion, you know, about how men act and I may use some terms that may offend some. So, you know, if this ain't for you, turn off the radio. Or wherever you listen to this from, because I'm not here to usually talk about feelings and how to be inclusive of everybody, ideologies, and, you know, and effects, and I hurt your feelings. And But the only thing you have to do is just turn it off. So you have the freedom to do that. That's why we believe in the freedom of speech. And we also believe in the Second Amendment. And uh, we believe that, you know, we're responsible for our brothers. You know, when their family's down, my family's down. So, you know, we stand together. Brotherhood of fathers, believers, men of Yahweh, sons of Yah, standing together to provide for the family and live in our natural images, men. So let's talk about brotherhood. You know, brotherhood is actually, you know, sometimes misconstrued as this, this this belonging or this this being a part of yeah you know I got this many friends I got you know five friends you know I got my homeboys in Texas I got homeboys in Memphis you know I got homeboys in Florida I got homeboys in New York I got them up top I got you know that's that's what some people consider brotherhood brotherhood is the number of dudes that you cool with well let's kind of let's talk about that a little bit cool with you know. Brotherhood is not about, you know, somebody just cool with. You know, that's that's something that, you know, that's definitely necessary that, you know, you have common, you know, ideas. And But, you know, not all your ideas are common. You know, when you, most of my brothers have different views of life than me. They come from different social locations. And, you know, they look at things differently than I do. And, you know, that's one of the things that I pride myself in having in my, my war chamber is a group of kings that, don't know, don't mind wielding their sword, pulling out their sword on me. You know, that's whether it's dialogue or they, you know what I'm saying, put up your dukes. 
know what I'm saying? You ain't doing what's right, man. You act you out of character. You dysfunctional in your family. You know, my sister uh, deserves better. My nieces, my nephews deserve better. That's the kind of brothers that I have around me, and I challenge them the same way. My brothers know they can come in here and say they have done anything disrespectful to their wives and expect for me to jump on the bandwagon of the church club. Talk to the royal one. First thing I'm going to ask, you, ask that, the brother is, you know, why did you take that approach? You know, I'm going to check him first. You know, regardless if you get mad at me or not, you know, we can fight, you know. I might still got a little bit of me, you know, so maybe not. Hey, the other ways, you know, we might have to fight some things out, bruise each other up a little bit to get to a common place of understanding. You know, men have lost that in society. You know, they've lost, they become, you know, for lack of a better word, feminized, you know, to, you know, what men are supposed to do. You know, iron sharpens iron. That scripture, you know, kings create kings. Please understand what that means. That means that you're supposed to be comfortable with being challenged. You're supposed to be comfortable with someone telling you that your shit stinks. You need to be comfortable with someone telling you, man, you you might be a little abusive in your household, doc. If you need somebody to fight, come over here, let's scrap it out there and go back home and leave that woman alone. You might need somebody who ain't scared of you. Who did you got to think twice about, you know, if you really going to run up on this person? Now, in my chamber, I got, you know, three solid guys. Erastus Matthew. Baby boy. And James Paul. That's the confidant. I'm Carrie Diaz. These gentlemen come from all different places. James is a Haitian. Diaz is a Jamaican. Ray is an AT alien. And I'm a Southern Negro native. I don't even like that terminology. They don't even define me enough. All these characteristics of black. You're black, you're African-American, you this, you have this, you mulatto, you cream-colored. Fish-eyed fool. Hey, that phrase, ain't that what else you used to say on, on Saturday Sun, guys? You know, call them fish-eyed fool. We might as well be called a fish-eyed fool. We've been called everything else. Because I don't pay attention to those labels that you shouldn't either. I, you know, it don't matter if you're white or black. If you're a man, that's who I'm talking to. We all get up in the morning, put our drawers on one leg at a time. And if you could do that trick, you could jump up in the air, in the air put your drawers on both legs, and you, you got a special skill. And you need to, you need to share that to the world so we can all can laugh. Because that ain't the natural form of getting dressed. So I'm talking to the natural man, the man who th do things normally, who don't fall for spells, that, that raw diamond in the rough, that man on the cusp of society that, uh, that may not, you know, find itself included in all parts of society because, you know, you might not be as polished as you supposed to be. I give y'all a character scripture that may make y'all smile. And uh, I always laugh every time I talk about this character because, you know, a real good friend of mine, you know, my buddy James, you know, kind of 
compared me to this guy one time. I was dealing with something, dealing with a gentleman that doing some stuff he ain't supposed to do. And, um, and I'm trying to just trying to get, you know, make some diplomatic decisions and make good sound judgment so you don't hurt nobody. Nobody gets hurt. Try to make some good decisions. And James told me this. He said, Fraser, let me tell you something. He said, when you're dealing with your brother, no matter if it's, if it's me or if it's anybody else that you're talking to, you know, what you project out is, you know, it can be felt. You know, when you're learning things about yourself, you don't know what that means. You know, it can be felt. You know, you can feel what, you know, being projected out. You know, so I had to learn that. So I take you back to this person. I'm going to tell you the story. And then I'm going to end on this. I'm going to talk about brotherhood. You know? And I'm going to leave you with a note. And I want you to think about what this story means. I'm going to tell you the story, King J-Who. King J-Who. Let me make sure y'all understand that. So you Googlers can go look up King J-Who. See if it gives you the right information about it. If not, then they will go and more ancient text to show you more specifically who King J who was. You know, I even have Chauncey Young come on and give some some uh, lessons in Hebrew, you know, so we can understand the text in its natural written form. So all those things are possibilities. Shout out to Tony. Tony, Chauncey Young, my teacher on so many different levels. I love you, boy. So, so let's go back to King J who. King Jehu, what this guy in the Bible, okay? I'm gonna make it very, very simple. I don't believe in telling long, you know, confusing stories. I like to make it applicable, something that you can see and you can feel. So King Jehu was this dude in the Bible, man. You know, he was king, you know, he was the commander of the Northern uh, Israeli army. You know, he was a Northern commander, a general, you know, one of those dudes, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you may know a dude like that in your neighborhood. You know, that dude that you hear about know, hey, just leave him alone, you know. He he might not be, you know what I'm saying, all the way, you know, right, you know what I'm saying. It may, it may not, his reasoning may not be, you know, what fits humanity. So, you know, Jehu was that dude. So Jehu was known as a warmonger and he he got stuff done. You know, Jehu was that dude, you know what I'm saying, that you didn't want to see coming and he drove like crazy, you know what I'm saying. He rode the chariot, you know, you saw him coming, Jehu be kicking up dust. The horse be driving crazy, be driving left to the right, slanging up dust. Everybody saw Jehu coming. Everybody knowing Jehu was in town. And everybody got out of Jehu way. Jehu, Jehu didn't, you know, didn't talk a lot. It was a short description of him in, in the scripture. It's just one little part that talks about this guy that's often missed. And it actually leaves man confused about the different expression that YHWH used to make change in society. It's not always that polished person that you think he may put in leadership to bring about change. The reason why I know that is because I'm one of those people. I'm not the most polished person. But I have to be a change agent in my environment. So King Jehu. So, during this time, it was the time of Jezebel. Y'all let me talk about Jezebel because, you know, Jezebel is, is an energy, you know, and she's represented in scripture as being this, this beautiful, voluptuous, you know, beautiful, mm, that sweet thing. You know, the thing that we, we fall for every day. You know what I'm saying? What did you see walking around? We're like, good gosh, you know, hey, I'm married, but I still look, that woman was made out of some beautiful clay. Boy, he took his time with that piece. So that's a masterpiece. And if you see that parents say that you don't still look at beautiful women, you married and you are not being honest, you know? 
the thing about this is to be genuine. You know, you see beautiful women. You know, that's the thing. You see them. You know, and and they know that you see them. You know, and they not all women are Jezebels. Not that's not what I'm saying. I'm not putting that label out there, guys. What I'm saying, Jezebel, is that expression or that that thing that attracts you. That thing, maybe culture, you know, maybe idols, it may be a lot of different things. Jezebel carry a lot of different names, and she shapeshifts and come in many different forms. So Jezebel is that 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 entity that's able to kick you off your journey. So Jezebel is that thing. No matter for you, it may be Jezebel. Jezebel might be a woman. Jezebel might be money. Jezebel might be, you know, sexual identity. Jezebel might be a whole lot of different things that it is, you know, that comes into play in your world. So Jezebel is that that thing, that shifter, that shapeshifter that can cause you to act out of character. Culture, Jezebel, culture, Jezebel, anything that shapes you out of your natural form. So now we got to understand who Jezebel is in this story. So let's get back to King Jehu. So back in that time, you know, kings were chosen by prophets and they were instructed by YHWH to go give instruction on who will be the next king in the lineage. So the prophet received a word to go tell King Jehu that he was going to be king. But he also told the prophet that once you tell him, you run as fast as you can away from Jehu. Because Jehu was that, that dude. You know what I'm saying? That you know, he ain't gonna about to talk and you gonna be sitting around his presence because he ain't about, about no small talk. He ain't finna sit around and entertain you and you know, play, you know, checkers and eat crumpets with you. He ain't finna do that. You better tell him what you want him to know and get out of his face. That's Jehu. So he told her, and um, the prophet went up to Jay. He said, I need to speak with you, Jehu. So the prophet told Jehu that he had been elected the king of Israel. And the prophet ran away. So Jehu had cool karma collecting though. He didn't blink project, walked out, walked back in, went sit down and say nothing. His homeboys asked him, you know, they just as wild as Jehu. You know what I'm saying? Birds of a feather flock together. So they just as rough as Jehu. They say, Jehu, what did that man say? Jehu said, you know the matters of what that man speak of. So basically he said, you know what he told me, man. Come on. He told me I was king, man. You know what he said to me. So they bowed and they worshiped him. You know, but one thing that Jehu had to let them know that he had told the prophet, told him that he had to go overthrow Jezebel and the king sitting on the throne at that particular time who let Jezebel take over the culture of the kingdom and shape it in form that it was unnatural to a way YHWH, the creator God, had designed for earth to function. Humanity to interact, the relational consciousness of mankind had been interrupted by the culture that Jezebel had influenced the king to project in the kingdom. So the prophet told Jehu, you gotta go kill this dude. Okay, so his boy saddled up, you know what I'm saying? Pony up. In our modern day language in the hood, the OGs appreciate this. He said, get the tools together. So they get on their chair. They go riding crazy. They come bucking, smoking. You know what I'm saying? Dust everywhere. Just scaring the crap out of folk. You know what I'm saying? Just, just get out of his way. He going to run over you. That's Jehu. So Jehu get to the edge of the cave. He stop. Sit still. He ain't say nothing. He said nobody. Just stop. 
So in the process of him coming, you know, Jezebel and the king was standing on that platform looking out, said, here come Jehu, because everybody knew Jehu, that crazy driving general. Crazy, mercenary style, you know what I'm saying? But don't say too much. Don't look at him too hard, that kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? He was that dude. So he came, he sit there, so they knew he was coming. So the king sent out his little representative out to Jehu. He said, he said, go see what, what Jehu woke. So the little, he said, the little guy, there, he said, Jehu, what do you want, Jehu? Jehu basically said, man, shut up, get behind me, doc. No, he talked to me. That's what he basically said, get behind me, now you belong to me. Jehu sit there. Okay? And then hear the king come out. Jehu, what do you want? <laughs> Jehu said, who you, basically, who you talking to, man? You got a right to talk to me. I'm king around here. You think you king, but I'm king. You don't have no right to address me. Kings can only talk to other kings. So he saw that he wasn't getting no Jehu, so he started running. So Jehu shot him in the back with arrow. Bow! Didn't let him get too far, you know what I'm saying? Just for sport. He said, to give him a little run chance. That's all he did, you know what I'm saying? Gave him a little run chance. And then he trampled on with his chariots on the way to the kingdom, to, you know, to, to, to deal with the king that he, you know, he had to deal with. I mean, to deal with Jezebel. So he get outside in the little room. I'm telling this, you know, so you can understand. You know, there's a lot of he and thee and thou and all that. You know what I'm saying? I can put it in that, in that text if you want that way. But I'm telling it in a way where you can digest it. So he get out there, you know, Jezebel went in there. She made us that boy, she got Boy, she was smelling good, looking good. Boy, I promise you, you were thinking in your mind she was delicious, man. That's what you were thinking. Because that's the influence she had on men of her time. Je Jezebel walked around, boy, she stopped traffic in all directions. That was Jezebel. So Jezebel was that got that thing made up, Doc. She thought she would come on that balcony, you know, flirt herself out there like, Jehu, what are you here for? Jehu didn't say nothing. Jehu didn't even respond to the beauty. He didn't respond to the distraction. And he said, are there any of you that follows me? And during that time, they had eunuchs, you know. And eunuchs were those people who had, had been castrated, you know. You didn't know they were male or female. They were serving only. You know, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about political stuff that you may see similar happening in this society that, you know, human trafficking stuff that we're going to talk about too because it's necessary to talk about because it deal with our children. But anyway, the eunuchs heard Jehu. And uh, after he had asked that question, they had they had something to consider, you know what I'm saying? If I don't respond to this dude, then, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm on a chopping block. So they heard Jay who said, anybody up there go, I ain't got no followers up there. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody on my team up there. They didn't know these people now. He just asked that question. He threw Jezebel off the balcony. Destroyed that nasty culture of that time. So I say King Jehu because you never know who Yahshua is going to invade with the Ruah. That he's gotten instructions from YHWH to put you on the throne. Not to dom be, dom be in dominion over man, but to make you responsible for a purpose in earth. So don't think that he won't choose you because he just made. He chose King Jehu, one of the roughest dudes in society. We'll talk about David another time. 
we'll talk about who David was. But I wanted to talk to you one of the most notorious rough kings that's hardly ever spoken about in scripture, in a sacred text, and that's Jehu. He was a man that was different amongst himself. He was a warmonger, he was a killer. But when it came time for his call and his purpose, he accepted it. And everything that he had done prior in his life, it didn't matter because he had been crowned king. So this thing we call brotherhood has to be taken seriously because we all are purpose driven. We all move in a different direction. We all are guiding our light in different directions. And the last thing that you want to find in brotherhood is betrayal. Because sometimes you don't know that the very brother that you are betraying is very thankful for the restraining spirit of the Ruah every day. Because at any given moment, we can be Jehu. We can accept a call to do what's necessary to be done. Whether he used to be a brother or not. Sometimes love is tough. And that's what I have in my chamber. I have very sharp men who do not mind challenging me when I malfunction in society. That I venture outside of my code that we have in scripture, which is not the full representation of the body of text. There's so many other books that were left outside of that canon. What we read in the 66 books and so many others. One that you may want to consider looking into is the Gospel of Thomas try to find it in its most natural form because it's been, you know, transliterated in so many different ways that it's been said to say something that we ain't really supposed to say. But everybody don't read Hebrew and Greek and look at things like that. So we try to make sure that you are aware at least of what, you know, is being portrayed, you know, in society. It's not true. It's part of the, uh, the hypnotism of what we talked about last episode. And the last thing you want in your group of brothers is someone that you can't trust, who don't have your best interest at heart. One thing my grandfather, you know, he was a farmer. I come from generations of farmers. And everything that I do is based on an agricultural principle. Can't help it, that's the way I think. Call me country, call me what you want. But everything, the way I see life is based on an agricultural principle. See time and harvest. Not the way it's, you know, it's sold as an advertisement in the church. No, the natural seed time and harvest, natural seasons of growth and development in it. And seeing, you know, patterns develop. And, you know, when you have a garden, you know, you have people there that you're responsible for. Making sure they had a proper fertilization, the proper water, proper air, so they can develop in your garden. That's what your family are. Each member of your garden is a plant that requires different things. And you have to be attentive enough to deal with the each individual needs of the plants in your garden. The children, the wife, the dogs, 
But you have an extended garden too that ventures outside of your immediate family and it's called brotherhood. The gentleman that I mentioned to you earlier, they're my closest of closest. They're my inner chamber. And they don't think that what happens in that inner chamber is always pretty and nice. We challenge each other in a lot of ways, a lot of different ways. So when we have to define brotherhood, it's almost like you have to interview people. And it's sad to say, because people come to you with alternative agendas and things that you know they want to try to pull from you, out you, through you. It's an old thing, you know, I believe old country sayings, you know, because they're proven to have wisdom. You know, the way you know a tree, the way you know a tree is by what's hanging from the branches. That's the way scripture was told through oral tradition. Basically, it's telling you the tree is going to bear the fruit it's supposed to. But to hear it in a country way, southern way, southern comfort, you tell a tree by what hangs from its branches. Sometimes, you know, people come to you and they are very, very, very put together. Brothers, men, want to be a part of what you do. And you believe them. Betrayal is what we're talking about. You believe them. And they tree look like it would bear fruit. And you know that in your garden shed, you have proper fertilization, air and water to help this brother become. These brothers become. What they're supposed to become. Because you see who they are, you're not trying to change their natural creature. You're trying to help them become what they're showing you to be. That's what you do as brother. As a brother, you come beside and assist. You don't betray, you don't walk away. You don't manipulate, most importantly. So when you're betrayed by a brother, the question is, what do you do? And you love that guy, those guys, that group. How do you fix that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness and grace through your vessel. I'm not talking about the grace of YHWH. You can't act on that. He gave you the ability to offer grace through the attributes that he gave to you. So offer grace and forgive. Now, does forgiveness mean that you have to stay? in rightful relations with this person now. Because you have to make the proper judgment about relationships in your life to make sure to see if they are proper and to see if they are productive and to see if they are beneficial, not only to you, but your family, because whoever you bring around your family influence your family. So some brother, you got to run off with a big stick 
You know, I talked to my brothers. I'm going to end with this. Because this conversation is very personal to me in a lot of different ways on multiple fronts. And for you, for you guys, it's very general. But you'll see. One of my confidants, James, he told me, we were talking about, you know, I always explained to him about sword. You know, for years, you always hear me talk about my sword. You know, and not until about six months ago did he come to me and said, listen, man. He said, you talk a little, you know, you're very militant in thought. You know, you're very direct, straightforward, and candid, and, you know. He said, you, you talk very militarized, you know, in the way your mind works and strategy and, you know, things like that. He said, but, you know, I get all that. You're very organized. You're very systematic. And I said, yeah, I design systems for a living. That's what I do. I build businesses. And I help men build businesses. So, I, of course, I would think, you know, linear and technically and, you know, streamline and, you know, business theory, you know, onion theory, layer business layers. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. He said, but that ain't what I want to talk to you about. He said, I want to talk to you about this sword. He said, what is that, man? Why do you talk about your sword? He said, the James, he said, you always say, James, I carry a big sword. You know? He said, that sounded cool and very masculine. He said, but I never knew what that means, so explain to me. So I'm going to say this to you guys in my audience, that when you're dealing with brotherhood, that when you know you have a sword and you know that you're skilled at using it, sword is what you're capable of doing. It's your clout, your influence, your ability to get to settle affairs. That's your sword. Your integrity. That's your sword. Your purpose, that's your sword. Your word, that's the exercising of your sword. So when a man violates his word, therefore he drew his sword on you. So when a man draw his sword on you, in your proper position in brotherhood, whether you love that man or not, you have to defend yourself and draw your sword which is your word, your integrity, your character. Even though people might try to destroy that. But be careful of the garden that you vex. Because the very curse that you released into the environment of man, humanity, with someone else's name on it, it just may make it to that person that you sent it to and see that it had no power there. And that thing returns to its creator. And you'll find that same curse that you sent for somebody else showing up at your doorstep. Then what do you do? Because now you no longer have access to that other king's sword that would have fought for you to help you deal with some things in life. So brotherhood is key. Do not betray the people who are closest to you because you're supposed to love them and help them throughout life and help them become better. Not have them looking over their shoulder warning them, you trying to put one of them little daggers in their back. Choose your brothers wisely. Have an inner chamber. Keep them close. And take care of your family. Love your community. 
And remember one thing, guys. Kings create 